0: week's episode. Thank you so much for being here. I hope these episodes guide you and serve you on your path. And I really want to thank everyone who has listened to this podcast and left reviews. It's so beautiful to read. And also for everyone who's shared it on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you so much. I always thank you by giving your oracle card reading so if you do share or do leave a review please just take a screenshot and send it to me and i will do a reading for you and this week's conversation is so beautiful and heartfelt i had amazing and beautiful sharada from be woman project as my guest she has from an early age been on a quest for moksha so she just guided herself on her spiritual journey going to India and Bali just seeking the answers that she had been just pondering in her life and she is both a student and a teacher of the Vedanta Sanskrit and the Vedic tradition and she has done this for a decade in the lineage of Swami Dayananda and she is living in Bali and truly dedicated to her spiritual growth and she has a background in Odyssey dance, it's a temple dance and she has discovered ancient rituals and the secrets of Devi the goddess which has played a very important role in her journey and in her healing. She is the creator of Be Woman Project, uh, which is a beautiful organization that offers international women's circle facilitator courses. And it's based in Vedic traditions. It's incorporating the holistic and tantric approach to reclaiming one's own self-worth and turning it to healthy, integrated wellness that deeply honors all beings as sacred. And in this episode, we talk about Vedanta Sanskrit, how to use mantras, puja, rituals. We talk about goddesses and she shares a beautiful Saraswati mantra, So I'm so grateful to have her here as my guest and I really hope that this episode can help you on your journey and to dive deeper into your spiritual practice. So enjoy. Hi Sharada. Hello. Hi,
1: Hi, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Shireen. Thank you for having me.
0: So grateful that you're here and I'm really excited to talk to you today.
1: Yeah, me too. <laughs> I look forward. Yes, thank you. Yes.
0: And I always start by asking my guests, how do you stay mindful and present?
1: How do I stay mindful and present? Well, I would say, for me, I think it's through prayers. I have really a passion for prayers since a long time. I also have a teacher that really um, introduced me into the profound teachings of the Veda and they are all conveyed in the form of mantras. And so mantras are prayers mm. and they always bring me back to, to my heart and what's important. and mm. Yeah, that has been the most powerful tool for me: prayers and mantras. Mm,
0: that's beautiful. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you for sharing that. And yeah. yeah, I've been, I've been following you and Be a Woman Project for a while. And uh, yeah, I, I'm really so passionate about the same things that you are, and that's why I, I, I thought it would be so lovely to connect and the work that you're doing is so important and yeah, it's just beautiful to see like, yeah, everything that is being created right now. So I would love for you to share a little bit about yourself and the work that you do with the listeners who's maybe haven't heard about Be A Woman project and your work.
1: Mm. Yes. Um So about, yeah, Be Woman Project is mm. <laughs> uh, um, an initiative uh, that started a few years ago with, uh, also with a prayer basically, <laughs> mm. <laughs> an English prayer, and the prayer is "No woman from knowing to know knowledge, so it means imperative, No woman, know who you are. know know yourself, get to know who you are, be woman, be woman means once you know who you are, that you are the source of love, security and happiness here and now, which is the teaching that I've been um, dedicated to for over a decade. It reveals that we are everything we want to be already here and now, the source of love and happiness and security. So once one discovers that I can really just be myself, it sounds so simple, but uh, <laughs> mm. yeah, it's a, it, it, is, it is a dedication. And the woman, once I discover who I am, I discover what's the truth of all women. So the prayer is, no woman, be woman, all women. Nature mm. nurture me. And so nature is called in Sanskrit, Bhumi, Bhumi Devi, and she's looked upon as our mother. And mm. she is the nourishment that we're all seeking, yet we also discover through this teaching that i am the ultimate nourishment so nature nurture me i am really the nourishment the one that can always nurture me is really me at the end by by me being kind to myself and and present to my to my heart and my hurts and my pains and because all i want is to be understood But um, really another person can never really understand me because they have to go through my past in order to understand me. And we can understand in terms of that if I would be you or you would be me and you would have had my mother, my father, my past, you would feel the same. But nevertheless, at the end, it's really only me that has been there all the time. And so I, I am really the solution. And... So the teaching of the Vedas, that's the mother of the whole yoga tradition, tantra tradition, mantra tradition, ritual tradition. It all comes from Mother Veda. She's she's called Mother Veda. Veda means a body of knowledge. And in India, she's called a mother because she's, she's like a mother that wants the best for her children. You know, the mother wants the best for her children. And so this teaching... It wants the best for us and what it says is that we are we are whole and complete we are you don't lack anything we we are everything that we want to be already but we don't know that so i definitely didn't know that (laughs) Mm. before i came to this teaching i i had made like everybody else a conclusion that there is something wrong with me and that i'm not good enough and not beautiful enough and I had lots of um, difficulties in my childhood and trying to get acceptance and validation from outside and um, and of course being exposed to the Western myth of where we always have to become better than what we are now and being Mm. exposed to media and TV and all. As a woman, I didn't have initiations into womanhood. And uh, Mm. like many other women didn't have. So I was also, I also um, was raised with the unhealthy myths of, of that we have to become in order to be somebody and that our bodies are shameful and our menstruation is, is dirty. And, uh, and so all this, this, this uh, conditioning was there. And, um, but I didn't believe it. (laughs) Something in me really, really didn't believe it and um, and that made me go to India when I was 18 Mm. and I I was searching like I went to India and and I fell in love with the Indian culture I felt at home somehow and fell in love with the with the um, mystical part of it and but back then I didn't have a teacher when I was 18 so I got into reading myself a lot of spiritual books and um, they were very confusing at that time and um, so being so confused as an 18 year old girl um, I, I had a psychosis. Psychosis mm-hmm. means where one can't differ- differentiate anymore what's, what's happening in your own mind and what we also share like our shared experiences which actually quite many people when they go to India and study any if it's yoga or tantra or any of those work, it can easily actually lead to some disassociation or mental confusion, especially when it's not guided properly. And so that Mm -hmm. happened to me as well. And I had to recover from that for quite a few years. Mm -hmm. And when I was better, I started then to really dedicate myself to yoga and Ayurveda, because um, that helped me ground myself. But like as many others, I came to yoga to a very masculine type of yoga, Ashtanga yoga and ayengar yoga, and, and, uh, which is very masculine, you know? like no, no awareness of the female body and the menstruation, the cycles. All it was said is that just don't practice for those days and don't do inversions. And so it was a good start. But at the end, I also felt something was missing. And nobody could tell me really what happened to me when I was 18 because I had this psychosis, but part of it, it was also kind of a spiritual awakening, like many people would call it, where I had insights into into that there's more purpose and more meaning to life than what we think of in the West. And so that really brought me on this search for answers. And so when I was well again, I went back after five years to India. And um, I was still searching for a teacher (laughs) and uh, I still couldn't find the teacher who could answer all my questions about life. And back then I found Indian classical dance. And so that became my teacher for a few years. I fell in love with the Indian mythology and learning about all the different goddesses and gods of the Hindu mythology. And, And in Indian classical dance, you dance the stories of Durga and Kali and Shiva and... So that those became my prayers through dance. Mm. And that led me then to Bali, finally. And I had a group where I taught girls and a boy these dances. They loved it because in Bali, it's also Indian or Vedic culture. And the same, they also use Mother Veda as a, as a map for life. And so they really loved the dance. And, and I remember every dance that I danced, I offered it. To something higher. I didn't have the words, but I offered it to something higher with asking for a teacher and for answers to all my questions of life. And then mm-hmm. after maybe a year or half a year, I found finally found a traditional Vedanta teacher. That uh, And Vedanta teacher is the teaching of non-duality. And, and I stayed with that. That was now all, over a decade ago and dedicated my life to that. And still am, like it has been a discovery to um, to discover who I am and who we are and what's the meaning of life. And, and so the whole Vedanta is, a, is the end portion of the Veda. So if we have Mother Veda, the beginning of the Veda deals with emotional growth and, and rituals and dharma, universal values and the whole yoga, tantra. It's all there in the first portion of the Veda and Vedanta is the end portion of the Veda that deals with um, self-knowledge. Mm. And so that's a little bit about my background. And as I entered into this world, I discovered there were so many unresolved issues with myself, with my body, and in relationship to my mother and my sister. And um, I needed a, a platform to, to heal that. And, and then Women's Circle became one of my my sanctuaries Uh, and through the women's circles, I discovered also the beauty of sisterhood. And I brought in all the teachings of the Veda into the women's circles and the dance and the mantras. There are many, many thousands of mantras dedicated to the goddess and rituals. And so bringing those into women's circle, then the birth of the Women Project uh, took place, where I, I wanted to reach out to more women that maybe have similar <laughs> or can relate to, to some of my story and, and yeah, there, were, there have been other women <laughs> who mm. could relate and, and since then the Women Project has been growing yeah and now we offer Women's Circle facilitator courses in, based on the Vedic tradition but also bringing in modern approach in terms of psychology and women's health and natural fertility awareness. So as I entered that world of sacred womanhood, I discovered, oh, there's a whole other topic um, that uh, opened up like all the topic of, um, yeah, natural fertility awareness and the reclaiming of sacred sexuality. And so, yeah, so this is a little bit about (laughs) me and Be Woman Project. Hmm. Yeah, Thank you so much for sharing.
0: I was yeah. so much in tears now from everything that you shared because it's so, yeah, I mean, most of us, I think most or all women can relate to everything that you said. And it's so beautiful that you, yeah, took your, like you transformed that, which you were experiencing and the initiation that you received through, yeah, that hard time in your life. And it's like transformed into this beautiful flower that mm. <laughs> everything that you do. And I mean, it's so it's like, yeah, it's um, it's like n- now. It it is truly time to heal together and to support each other. And <laughs> I feel very emotional when talking yeah. about this because it's, it's so important and, mm. and so many women are needing that.
1: Yeah. yeah. And
0: um, I think it's so inspiring that you followed your calling and, and, and um, it's, it's you followed your path into creating this beautiful vibration, which it is. It's so it's it's so needed, and and yeah, it, this is the time to to create this healing and and yeah, empowering each other as well. It's mm. it's beautiful, mm. and to yeah, go deep into this devotion because I think mm. all of us are longing for that too to be in mm. devotion and to connect back to yeah feeling that deep connection with with the great mother and and with all yeah with all sisters out there. So yeah. I feel very touched by that. Mm. It's beautiful.
1: Mm. I can feel you. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. 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 And um yeah. Yeah,
0: it's it's so interesting everything that you're. Maybe we can uh, talk about the teachings of Vedanta a bit deeper if you want to share
1: more about that. Yeah, yeah, the teachings of Vedanta are. It's really. It's also called Advaita Makaranda. It means the nectar, like the nectar that the bee is after. (laughs) Mm. Uh, It's the nectar of non-duality. And when we hear the word non-duality, it's, it can be a little bit intimidating. Mm. So what it really means, non-duality, is the meaning of non-duality is that, that in truth, in reality, there is only one non-dual being. Mm. Because our experience is one of duality. My experience is that I am different from everybody else. And when the difference that I'm experiencing is real, if that is my reality, and it is for almost everybody, then what happens is that we start to compare ourselves. And when we compare each other or oneself to each other, to other people, naturally we suffer. Because as soon as I compare myself to somebody else and myself to another woman, or, or a man to another man, or a woman to a man, no matter, as soon as we start to compare ourselves, we suffer. Because you have something that I don't have, I have something that you don't have. And when we compare, then we start to compete. And when we compete, then we are jealous. And then we can become arrogant. And those feelings, or, yeah, those, those are so painful experiences And so Vedanta says that the problem for comparison, for competition, for jealousy, for arrogance, is self-ignorance. So self-ignorance means that I don't know that I'm in reality that one non-dual being, that in reality there's only one self. So means as if as if we if, if we take uh, two ornaments for example you have a a golden ornament and one is a ring you have a golden ring and you have a golden earring or a nose ring and the other is a hand ring so there are two different forms right? one is a, a ring for the finger and the other is a ring for the ear so they look different they even have different names and they have different functions but the truth of the finger ring and the earring is nothing but gold, and the truths of, of, the, of the ring, of both rings, are nothing but gold. So, in reality, there's only one gold appearing as two rings, or a necklace, mm-hmm. or a bracelet. And so, not knowing that the truth of that ornament is gold, what happens is then, right, then the ring says, oh, I'm only a ring, but I really want to be a necklace. Like, it would be so wonderful to be a necklace. Why can't I be a necklace? <laughs> yeah. And so that example is one of the examples that is being used in the teachings of Vedanta to make us see how we, I, as the individual person, the woman that I am, or man that I am, I compare myself to every other being And then what happens is I say I want, I want to be like her, I want to be like him, I want to achieve this. And there's nothing wrong with wanting, but the problem is if I made the conclusion that I'm only a limited being and I now need to become like her or like him or, or gain a lot of money or become famous so that I can be happy and complete and well, then that is very painful. Because that means that right now, right here, I am not good enough and I am not acceptable. And when I know that in reality, I am I am acceptable, I am whole and complete, and then out of fullness, out of fullness, I can start to make a, money or become famous or admire qualities in another person and strive to have those qualities as well, then it's not painful. The problem is we want something for the sake of fullness. And Vedanta is the teaching to help us want things out of fullness, not for the sake of fullness. Does this make sense? Mm, yeah. You see that, re- that very small, it's, a very, it's, it's very subtle. Hmm. But it really makes all the difference. So I can only want something out of fullness when I know that I am full and complete.
0: Hmm. I
1: cannot want something out of fullness if I made the conclusion that I am incomplete, I'm not good enough, I lack. Naturally, I want for the sake of happiness and fullness. And so... Hmm. That is a problem and that problem is called in the Vedanta teachings the fundamental problem of all our suffering really. It's really the cause for our comparison comparison and competitions and jealousy because I made the conclusion that I am not good enough. I am not whole and complete. And so the Vedanta is a teaching methodology that takes one step by step Like any other thing that you want to teach, it takes you step by step. If you want to learn algebra, you go through basic mathematics. If you learn a language, you learn first the basic words and alphabet. In the same way, the Vedanta takes you step by step to remove self-ignorance, which is the cause for this identification with something other than myself, and makes me see who I really am. It makes me see that really... My self, my very self, and not a higher self or a lower self or a supreme self, just me, the very person that I always knew <laughs> that that person is really the very same self of every other being I, the very same self that I call myself is really yourself, so it makes me see that in reality, there is only one non dual being so. That's why Vedanta is called the Advaita Makaranda, the teaching of non-duality, the nectar of non-duality. So why a nectar? Like when you take nectar, it's so sweet. It's it's so sweet. It's exquisite. It's so subtle. In the same way, the teaching is as sweet, as subtle, as exquisite. And it's not really the teaching. (laughs) It's actually you. (laughs) You are that Nectar, You are that subtle, that exquisite sweetness that we seek in chocolate cakes and in a partner and in children. We all have projected the sweetness, the nectar, onto something other than ourselves. And so Mm -hmm. the teaching is here to, like a mirror, when I look into a mirror to see my face, the teaching of Vedanta is like a mirror but in the form of words. To make me see that really the sweetness comes from me, always has come from me, and I am the sweetness. I am the nectar. I am whole and complete. I am happiness and security. That is my essential nature. And so, mm. in, that's really the 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 essence of the teaching of Vedanta. So it's called mm. the teaching of se- of the self. Mm. 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 Beautiful. Mm.
0: Thank you for sharing that. It's yeah really something to get into because it's so, yeah, it's, it's really a great reminder. And uh, yeah, just puts things into the perspective. So it's yeah. beautifully. Thank you for sharing that. Mm. Thank
1: you.
0: And, and one of the things that that you practice a lot, which you've mentioned are also mantras. Yes. So I would love for you to. We had Deva Premal and Mitten on, on the podcast and yes. they shared about the mantras. And um, you can share it from your perspective and how you work with mantras and maybe what type of mantras you use.
1: Yes. So, yeah, mantra. So, mantra is the meaning of mantra is that which protects the mind in other words mm. that which protects the heart it's when whenever there's pain it's because of wrong thinking <laughs> mm. so the mantra helps us to get back to correct thinking and to see things clearly as they are so the every mantra is really revealing the nature of myself as whole and complete. So the mantras are words of that create light and love, because words can also be used to create heat and pain. And so every mantra is really here to create freedom or help one to discover one's already accomplished freedom and wholeness and adorableness and lovableness. So those mantras are exquisite because we are used to worrying, and criticizing, and judging, and complaining. And so instead of worrying, and criticizing, and judging, and complaining, I make the effort to use mantras. Because I'm always really seeing my mind, like I'm always with my mind. I can never not be with my mind, with my heart, with my feelings, my emotions. I never really see the outside world. I think I see the outside world, but what I really see is really my, my, my way of thinking, my feelings, my emotions. And so there is where I very deliberately, consciously, I bring in mantras in order to neutralize unhealthy ways of thinking, mm. hurtful thinking. Then I bring in mantras. And so the mantras, um, I've been taught in the traditional Vedic chanting, so Vedic chanting are mantras that have come with swaras, with intonations, that have been chanted in with those intonations for many, many thousands of years. So I really honor that tradition to maintain the traditional intonations mm. as best as I can, as I have been taught by my traditional Vedic chanting scholar and teacher. And so, So there are different branches of Vedic chanting and you will, if you go to India, you will hear different branches, but the main are are the same, like the mantras, like Gayatri Mantra, Mm Murtindra Mantra, um, they all have been chanted for so long in the same, with the same meters, the same, yeah, Mm -hmm. with the same Swaras intonations and uh, melodies. So I honor that and uh, yes, and then of course, I also chant mantras that are bhajans, more like um, songs and uh, kirtans. Mm-hmm. I have a deep love for that as well, but I do have a very special love for Vedic traditional chanting. Mm-hmm. And then I love to look into the meaning. I've been studying Sanskrit, and Sanskrit is the most refined language, it's the most beautiful language for me. Because in Sanskrit, there are no real swear words there. It's a language Mm. to convey this vision of non-duality, this vision of wholeness. And which other language conveys a vision of wholeness? All other languages are languages to transact, where we Mm. transact with each other. So Sanskrit is here to reveal the truth of our being. And so it's very very exquisite and... uh, it's a, a whole universe. Every word that you unfold in Sanskrit brings you deeper into reality. Mm. Mm.
0: That's beautiful. And you, and that's a part of also uh, the circles that you hold and uh, the trainings that you do, right?
1: Yes. I bring them in a lot, the mantras, a lot, and the rituals. Mm. Because there are so many mantras for the different goddesses. Mm. In reality, there are not many goddesses. There is only goddess. means that everything Mm. is sacred. Yet Mm. we do have the different forms, like with the one gold that appears in different shapes and forms, (laughs) has different qualities. It's the same being. In the same way, goddess really, there's there's only goddess. means everything is sacred. Yet that one non-dual being appearing, as this whole universe in the form of Saraswati, which is then the goddess of knowledge and sacred arts. So you have many beautiful mantras to invoke Saraswati goddess. So mm-hmm. to invoke all the qualities of, invoke knowledge into one's life and clarity and the creativity, turning sex- sacred sexual energy into sacred art, bringing that out in a healthy dharmic way. There's mantras for Lakshmi, the goddess of abundance and all wealth. There's mantras for Durga. She was the great warrior goddess, who is brave and full of courage. And there's Lalita, the goddess of sacred beauty, and and so and the goddess of food, of Annapurneshwari. So there are countless goddesses um, that uh, we invoke and learn their mantras in order to befriend them so they become like your best friend and uh, they become like your your mother that you always wanted and you be, have you have suddenly a sister that you always wished for and so they become like your your spiritual family that you can invoke and count on 24 7 and don't need to pay anything for it <laughs> mm. so those have been very very helpful in my spiritual journey spiritual growth and so we bring mm. there an essential part of our circles and trainings. Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I love mantras. It's really a deep
0: um, practice of mine. I, at least I try to every day uh, listen, or I don't try. I always do. <laughs> it yeah. just comes naturally. I've been listening to Saraswati mantra during the morning now. And, yeah. and yesterday when I was driving, I had to like, turn off what I was listening to and start chanting it just comes mm. it, it's just a release and it's just a way to um, yeah take the, the energy the power within us and and transforming it into sound and, and creating so much beautiful vibrations and chanting yeah. together is, is really powerful that can really help you uh, come into a transcendental state as yeah. well
1: yeah. Right. Yeah. So wonderful to turn together.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for yeah. sharing that as well. It's it's um and if you would like to now or in the end of the call maybe sing a mantra for us. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I would love to. Do you yeah. wanna share one
1: now? Yeah, I can do one now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um for Saraswati. You just mentioned before the Saraswati, the mm, yes. really do one. Yeah. Sarasvati. Mm. Mm. So maybe. Yeah, I do two different ones so one can hear the difference between when it's more sing song and when it's Vedic mantra. Mm. Mm. Yes. Mm. Om Saraswati Varade Kamarupini. Vityaram bham karishyami siddhir bhavatume sada. Aim hrim o sarasvatye namaha. Om yade vistu yate nityam vibudhair veda paragayhi. Same basatu de qua grey, Ramharupa Sarasvati. Jayati, Jayati Sarasvati, Jayati Sarasvati. Sara Swati, Sara Swati, Vitya Rupini, Sara Swati, Vitya Sara Swati, Sakala Kala. Sara Swati Sara Swatu. Oh. Mm. Oh.
0: <laughs> thank you. That wow. was so beautiful. Mm. Oh. Ah yeah. yes, thank you so much. Yeah. And um yeah, I'm also interested in pujas and, and the act of, yeah, a puja. Like how how do you work with it? Maybe explain it to those that haven't
1: heard about it. Yes, yes, puja is one of my absolute uh, favorite mm. <laughs> activities. Um, mm. It really brings you back to the magical child and. It's a little bit sad that many people get scared when they see a ritual because Mm -hmm. they connect it to something religious and Christianity and think it's a hocus-pocus or Mm
0: -hmm.
1: something to be afraid of. And I had the same experience when I um, came to Puja. I didn't understand it. I just saw they're using a bell and incense and water and... They do all these things that are also being done in a church, but yet there was something different about it. And there mm-hmm. was, there was love, and there was uh, joy, and there was song being sang, and it seemed nobody was afraid. And so at the beginning, the puja was my dance, also mm-hmm. a, a ritual, the dance itself. But then eventually, as I was in India and puja, which means ritual. A traditional Vedic ritual um, you find it everywhere being performed three times a day or even more I started to really get curious and wanted to know more about. So through my teachers I got to know what was really the meaning of Puja and once I understood the fear was resolved because it was nothing um, equal to worshipping a god or a goddess that is a way from myself, (laughs) Mm. that I'm worshipping something that is higher, superior or angry or judges me. So that's why we have to give that um, context and also educate people to understand when we have an altar, what the altar represents. So an altar really represents the whole universe, including Mm. the five elements and all the planets and all beings. And according to the Vedic vision, all that is here is sacred. All that is here is sacred, nothing profane, there's nothing to be ashamed of. This body is sacred, and so the whole universe is sacred. And so when I have an altar at home, for a Vedic person at least, it represents the whole universe. And so then you put beautiful objects on your altar that represent for you the immanent, Immanent immanence and transcendent aspect of this universe. And that which is immanent means that which is in and through all beings, and that which also transcends all limitations, like the gold. The gold is in and through all the ornaments, but it's not limited by the limitation of the ornament. So in that way, when you have an object, it represents that infallible aspect, the infallibility. And so when I stand or sit in front of my altar, I'm looking into a picture that is maybe Saraswati or Shiva or whoever, or whatever you can can put, whatever you want onto your altar. But the important is that it really represents that infallible aspect, that which cannot fail like an infallible mother, (laughs) an infallible Mm. father that gives you absolute validation for all that you are and that you can always count on. That is never going to judge you, and that just wants to help you. And so, we have when I have on my altar there are many, many objects. So that represents that aspect of infallibility, the aspect of removing obstacles, that aspect that gives you courage and strength, that aspect that is joy and devotion, that aspect that is wealth and takes away the sense of unworthiness. And so, then when I do a puja ritual. I, I collect items, I collect items that are nurturing for the senses. So I'm going to collect flowers that are nurturing for my eyes and my sense of smelling. I have a, an organic incense that is also for the smelling and the air aspect, the touch, the sacred touch. I collect, I make, I prepare food, food that I prepare with love. I bring water, I bring a candle that represents the fire. and Anything else, you can offer books and instruments and all the skills. You can have one object that represents all your skills that you have been given. And then through the ritual, through the puja, you offer these items with mantras to really say thank you. Um, Thank you for, for this life. Thank you that I can hear, smell, see, taste and feel. Thank you that I can walk and have children. Thank you that I can speak. Thank you... Even for the difficult times in life because the difficult times in life are here as an opportunity for growth. So I can use a difficult situation and instead of then blaming or losing trust in uni- in the universe, I can take that as a teacher and then resolve my hurt on the altar. Like a difficult situation is really just revealing a hurt or a challenge in my heart that has been there already before. And so then I can bring that hurt to my altar and and give it back, mm. the hurt or the challenge that I feel I can give it back. And so it's like when we're children, like as children we don't have any problem to play with animals and with branches and stones and we're just fully immersed in the magical world. Mm-hmm. And so... Many of us have lost that because we have to be serious and and um, we have to be very hardworking in order to deserve to live. And that's a very unhealthy attitude. You know, we're all worthier than the worthiest. Otherwise, yes, we have been given this life and I don't have to feel guilty for being alive. I can just contribute like the sun and the air and The water they also contribute and they would never ask for anything in return and so in the same way i admire then those qualities of contribution that the sun or the air the water has it just always gives mother nature it always gives without asking anything in return so then those qualities i admire and i bring them out in my own heart in the puja and so when i practice it on my altar to do this puja then eventually i can bring out that quality of gratitude and the attitude of giving back and the attitude of contributing then those attitudes I bring into my life into my daily life because the whole universe is my altar really (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah but it's it's a little bit overwhelming to have the whole universe as as our altar so the altar is a small form to start and uh, and bring in those attitudes that of gratitude and contribution in into my daily life. Mm. And so there's a lot to say about Puja and Altar. Mm. It's, a, it's really a whole world, a beautiful magical world, but not magical in terms of unreal. It's very real. So every form really represents the formless because I cannot have a relationship with formless. Mm. So we use forms in order to get to the formless. And mm. Right. eventually the vision is I am formless, I am this whole universe, I am a non-dual being appearing as this whole universe so my journey as a woman or a man or as a human being is to grow and to own up this vision of wholeness and oneness but I cannot own that up unless I I can embrace all the forms that are there in my life Mm -hmm. Uh, all forms really that are appearing in my life are And what I mean with that is my mother, my father, my partner, my children, my work. Every situation is a form and can I receive that form with glad acceptance and and see that this is really my sacred mirror and this is the situation I need in order to grow. And so the puja and the altar is also a, a tool that helps one to grow and find support. A stable support, because when I rely on relationships, other people, then that is an unstable support because Mm relationships fail. It's not that they're bad, but they fail because the person cannot be there 24-7, like mother, father, Mm -hmm. a partner, children. They cannot be my, my stable support. And so what do I do as an emotional being? The emotional being needs to have a stable support, but everything in this universe is unstable. So naturally, we're all afraid and, and fearful, especially now you see in this situation, there's so much fear going on because we have lost that essential connection to, to nature and something something that is lasting and permanent. And so the mm-hmm. altar represents really the infallible relationship, the relationship that cannot fail and will not fail and a relationship that is permanent. And I need to have that relationship in order to get to relationshiplessness. When I mm. say relationshiplessness means to just be love, <laughs> mm. to really embody unconditional love, that, that's that's a, a mastery. I, I need mm. to discover that I am love. But that that means then that. Um, I, I have to express the love that I am through my words, my actions and my thoughts. And I cannot wait anymore for the world to make me feel loved and whole and complete because then I'm going to wait the rest of my life. I have not, don't have control over how other people behave towards me. But mm-hmm. I, I can choose what I think and say and do. And so then in the puja, I bring in all the attitudes, all the thoughts, all the actions that really convey the love that I am, and then I bring that attitude and those acts into my daily life, and then eventually your whole life becomes a puja. The moment you mm. wake up, you say a prayer. You have gratitude that you're still alive. You, the moment you step your foot on your on Mother Earth, you have a prayer to say, "Wow, thank you that I I can walk, I can, I can go and brush my teeth, I can make food." Those are all successes, which we don't count as success. Right? And so my whole life becomes a puja, means my whole life becomes a ritual. Every thought, every action becomes an offering, an offering Mm. of gratitude and a contribution for the sacred symbiosis. And when we look at nature, nature is always in sacred symbiosis. They're not fighting against each other. So when we fight against each other, it's because of ignorance, pain and denial. And so, puja is one of the most beautiful ways to bring in the devotee, bringing devotion into my life. And devotion means acknowledging the fact that everything is given, then I cannot but have gratitude in my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, puja, altar, is uh, very essential if one is serious about their spiritual, which means emotional growth. Mm-hmm that's so
0: beautiful. Thank you for sharing and I totally agree with everything. It's um it's a kind of an anchoring and a, and um yeah. You we can be in devotion in so many ways, but yeah. uh, it's really I mean throughout history and all times we've created rituals and yeah. and altars and and ceremonies um which we have may be forgotten or it's turned into other types of rituals like watching the tv and and uh, (laughs) going to work it's a different type of ritual but it's it's disconnecting and and the the relationship that you talk about it's you you because you commune with yourself which is ultimately the divine so it's it's going within. I write a lot about this. It's Mm. really hard sometimes to put into words, but it's Mm. really the act of devoting yourself to yourself and Mm. to that which is like the ultimate source, which is also us. Like you said, just as the goddess has uh, different Uh, depictions and faces it's still one and that's us too so it's it's acknowledging that we are not uh, separate from anything so it's not something outside of us even the devotion it's not Mm. like we we do it to be outside of us it's to be become closer within ourselves yeah so that's truly yeah it's it's something that we all can do it doesn't doesn't cost anything or it yeah. doesn't it doesn't take much effort, maybe in the beginning to yeah. program yourself, but it's it, when it comes from within it just happens it's it can be like you said, just being in nature and really feeling it and feeling like not thinking it's just feeling it and being in it it it's mm it's so rewarding and so yeah abundant yeah
1: exactly Uh, yeah
0: thank you so much for sharing everything and maybe you want to share um about like your upcoming retreats and trainings because you have those as well where you gather women from different parts of the world
1: yes thank you Mm. (laughs) um yeah we have uh at the moment, because of social distancing, mm. <laughs> we are offering online circles in four different languages. We're starting mm. next week in, in English, Spanish, French and Swedish for now. Mm. Mm. So that will be for the next few months online. And then I have, um, if, if we see what's, how it's going to unfold. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I have planned uh, Women's Sacred Woman Retreat in August. In Switzerland, and in September, there's uh, the next women's circle training being offered in Holland that is dedicated to Saraswati, the goddess of knowledge mm-hmm. and sacred arts. And there's mm-hmm. also a women's retreat and initiation retreat in Shambhala gatherings in Sweden in September. Mm-hmm. And then I have my yearly Durga training in uh, Bali and mm-hmm. Lakshmi training. So, those are, I have three trainings. And one is dedicated to Sarasvati, one to Lakshmi, Lalita and one to Durga. Those are longer trainings for women who would like to learn how to hold circles confidentially and have mm. all the tools to bring in the woman's work into their life. So those are like the trainings and then there are the retreats this summer that mm. are a little bit shorter to have like a an, um, a taster of, of, uh, of this teaching and sisterhood and yeah, that's, that's what's happening at the moment. <laughs> that's so
0: beautiful. Yes.
1: I really hope that, that it will
0: turn and that we uh, can meet here in Sweden when you come here. And, um, because one of the retreats are in, in, not too far from.
1: Where are you? Uh, I'm in Stockholm. You're in Stockholm, yes. yes. One is going to be in uh, Skinskatterberg
0: yes yeah I that's actually, gathering. Mm-hmm. that's so such a beautiful place so i yeah. think i hope that that will be and that uh all sisters can meet there that feel called and feel yeah connected with with everything that you're teaching and spreading and I'm so grateful that we connected mm. from different parts of the world as usual. And yeah. Uh, yeah, with the same heart, the same love, everything is just connected. I'm so grateful.
1: Yeah. Yes, me too. And mm. I want to say I, I love Sweden and I have a very special love. for Sweden. It's very beautiful sisters that I've met there. Mm. And um, yeah, my first women's circle training was there. And, and we have lots of women's circles in Sweden, actually. From Be Women yeah. Project. So, if women also want to join a circle, if it's with mm. me or with, with with some of my our facilitators on the website, also all the facilitators are there, mm. um, and there are many in Sweden. So many be- yeah. beautiful elves in Sweden <laughs> oh,
0: So <laughs> this. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, very precious. Oh, yeah. Thank
0: you so much. I'm yeah. so grateful. I'm wishing you so much blessings and love and yeah, I can't wait to connect with you again likewise, thank you Shireen Mm. thank you so much thank you so much for listening I hope that this episode has been a guide and a light for you to maybe dive deeper into any of these practices that Sharada shared and if you want to get in touch with her or check out B-Woman Project, you can find all the links in the show notes. So thank you so much again for being here. Let's end this episode with a deep breath in through the nose together. And exhale through the mouth. And namaste.